Welcome to Careers and Mental Health Conversations. This is the podcast where we discuss career counselling, career guidance, mental health awareness and mental health training in the workplace. With your hosts, Patrick, Sally, Tina and Amy. Welcome to the Careers and Mental Health Conversations. And today we're speaking with Jess from the Humanize Group. Welcome, Jess. Thanks, Sally. So, Jess, let's start off about you telling us a bit about you and your career at the Humanize Group. I, um, I've been with Humanize for, oh gosh, about 10, 11 months, so almost a year. I, um, I came in at the end of last year to help them kick off their accounting and finance brand. Um, historically, they've always been a, a technology recruitment company, so this has been a new brand for them. And um, we've seen that grow pretty well over the last sort of 10, 11 months, and it's all been tracking well. We've added a few new people to the team and, you know, created um, a whole new arm of the business together, which has been really good. So what's your role there? What do you do from day to day? So I'm um, my title formally is division leader, but um, what I do day to day is, is uh, your traditional kind of recruitment process. So everything from interviewing the candidates, uh, uh, finance roles, so everything from transactional up to your more C-suite, but also um, business development, going out and meeting with clients, creating relationships with clients, and then effectively helping them with their recruitment and, and tying the two together. So what an ever-changing world we're living in with careers like careers now that people will have in 10 years time they don't yet exist so it's a really fast changing world how do you manage that in your day-to-day job it is it is pretty fast changing and in actual fact accounting and finance has been one of those things where um a part of the conversation I've been having over the last six to 12 months is, well, do you think these transactional roles will still be around with all the artificial intelligence that's coming through? Um, the short answer to that is, I, yes, I think I think there will be. And the reason for that is there's a real human element to those roles that um, can't be accounted for through artificial intelligence. So there is a little bit of concern kind of bubbling around in the market for, um, for that reason. But for the most part, I mean, it is a very full-on role and there are so many different elements to it. And there are a lot of elements because it is so full-on that a lot of people in the industry kind of miss the mark on and they're the things that we've really been trying to focus on uh, at Humanize Group as well. So look, here at Career Development Centre, we're um, about people having a healthy career, about doing something that they love instead of just going to work to pay the bills and being mentally and physically well. Which brings me to the question, many of my clients that come here for career counselling are demoralised with the recruitment process. Mm -hmm. They go for an interview, they go for a second interview, they think they've done really well and then nobody calls them back. And what that does to their self-esteem after a couple of times is really a concern to me. So tell me how you're different. So that's actually something that... um we have come to realize that at humanized as well. I mean, it's certainly something that I've had exposure to in my career to date. I sort of started my um, career in the more corporate world and humanized is more of a boutique, if you like. So there is, um, I mean, anytime I have a chat to anyone who is a new candidate, sometimes they'll say, well, listen, I, you know, I spoke to this person at this agency and I went through this process and I never heard from them again, exactly as you say, or I went through this process and, you know, they told me these things about themselves and they're really feeling down and out about it. And, you know, it it really can impact their personal lives. I think 
to sort of look at the recruitment model in a more general sense, I think what the real struggle is generally you have one person who's trying to look after a full 360 process of recruitment. So similar elements to what I said I do earlier, um, but I'm lucky in that I have the support of someone who is a dedicated candidate manager. So their sole responsibility is to be that contact person for the candidates that we bring into the business. So if you look at a model that doesn't have that person, usually what you have is one person sitting in the role, they're doing a 360 um, or they have 360 responsibilities. So they're meeting with all of their candidates, but they're also trying to business develop. They're also trying to meet their clients. They're also trying to fill the roles. And so what generally happens is usually the uh, it gets to a point where either the candidates or the clients have to be the ones that you put first, just because you're time poor. There's only so many hours in a day. So I don't think that it's necessarily anyone not wanting to do the right thing. I mean, I'm sure there are some examples out there where that might be the case. Um, but typically, you know, most people will tend to put the client a little bit higher than the candidate because that's where the money comes from, which is you know, less than ideal because then you've got a candidate who's maybe banking on this opportunity because they thought they interviewed really well through the first round and what a great organization and what a great opportunity and, you know, how good, how good. And oh, actually, I never heard from them again. You, What does that mean for me? What did I do wrong? What could I have done better? And so they start to question themselves. And then the roll-on effect from that is, well, I'm still out of work and how long will it be before, you know, I can find something? And there's no sort of coaching around, well, what here's what you can do better next time around or here's what the feedback was and that kind of thing. So throughout, you know, developing this candidate manager model, you've got someone who's coaching them throughout the whole process, which is something that we've really tried to focus on. So the minute they pick up the phone, they're speaking to one person, they're meeting with that one person when they come in for the interview. And that one person is giving them the feedback and coaching them through the process. So that might be, you know, hey, Sally, um, you know, great news. We've got an interview for you. Here's a little bit about the company. Um, we sort of went through what the important things to you for you are in your next role. And here's why I think that probably aligns with what you're looking for, but here's some advice I can give you as well. Here's the most commonly asked questions, so on and so forth. And then you would go and meet with the client and then I'd debrief with you afterwards and say, how did you go, Sally? What were, you th what were your thoughts? Um, and sort of talk through that process. And then, you know, at the back end of that, let's say, hypothetically speaking, you weren't to get the role, it would be we have a, we have an understanding that you need that feedback ASAP. So coming back to you within a certain time frame, even if we don't have feedback to say, hey, no feedback just yet, but hopefully we'll have it for you tomorrow. Or if we've got feedback, hey, listen, I don't have the greatest news to deliver. They're not going to offer you the role, but here's why. And here's some feedback that you could probably improve on next time. Beautiful. Yeah. So what can the candidates do to um, be proactive in that process. So I think it's before we, before we even get there, I mean, if you're organizing to um, meet with a consultant through an agency or even if you're just doing a job hunt yourself, I think it's really important to sit down and really have a think about what's important to you in the next role. I think what uh, a lot of people get caught up in is this is a job and I've got to earn money and I've got kids and a family to support and, you know, this just kind of gets me through my day today and I have to work because I've got to pay the mortgage and all these bills, but they never really take the time to, to think about what they really enjoy and what they're passionate about and what's important to them. Um, so what I'd really encourage people to do if they're looking at going on that journey is to sit down and think about what the top two or three most important things to them are in the next role. So really have a think about what their key drivers and motivators are, but also what demotivates them in the workplace and what they're sort of looking for in terms of a culture or, you know, what kind of leadership style do they feel like they have really resonated with 
in the past or if they are a leader, what do they feel like their leadership qualities are? But really sort of taking a step back so that by the time they come in and they see a consultant or they're sitting down with a candidate manager or they're applying for a job on seek, they're actually applying for things that they know are going to or have a good idea will be something that resonates with them on a number of different levels. It's not just within a good brand and offers a good salary. Yeah, and I think that's why the Career Development Centre has grown so quickly is because people are asking more questions, but quite often and they don't know where to go for help. Now, the majority of my clients go through that process. They're not happy. It's not floating their boat. They're miserable. It's causing relationship problems, financial problems, kids' problems. It's impacting on their entire life. So really, you've made a valid point. The, pers- the people seeking out help for a couple of sessions before they go through that process um, certainly A, increases their confidence but gives them an idea that they are looking for the job that suits their values um, because values are so important in the workplace because if they're not aligned, it's just not going to work. So I guess my next question to you is the the feelings of people through this process. It's a pretty tough process, even if you're in employment, Changing a job can be as stressful as selling a house because there's so much upheaval. You don't know whether you're going to love it. You don't know whether you're making the right move. So for those people that get the job, they're feeling elated that there's excitement for you and that's great, you've got them a job. But for those people that don't get the job, it has the potential to really spiral them down. What can you and I as industry do to overcome that? Yeah, I think it's a really good question because I think this is an element that is completely missed in most areas of recruitment at the moment because it does have a risk of, it's essentially a sales environment at the end of the day. So a lot of people that work within recruitment, especially if they're in a corporatized environment, are really heavily KPI'd. Um, so the, the real human element, to go back to what we were saying earlier, is just completely missed. So when you're delivering the feedback to someone and saying, listen, I'm really sorry, but you haven't been successful in the role, that's why it's so important to give them that feedback feedback, but not just listen to their responses, but listen to their nonverbal cues as well, which can be a little bit hard over the phone. But if I'm giving you the feedback and I'm saying, Hey, listen, Sally, um, I've just heard back from this company. I'm really sorry, but they're not going to progress with you. Here are the reasons why. And you sort of list those reasons. It's important to, you know, check in with them. And if there's a bit of silence on the other end of the phone, or there's a big sigh or something like that, or, you know, a little bit of a waver in the voice, it's, it's important to follow that up with, you know, but, you know, how do you feel about that? Do you have any um, feedback for me? Can I take anything back? Where does this sort of leave you? And and just so you know, this isn't the only thing that we're going to help you with. You know, a big part of what we do is proactive. We have a good understanding of what you're looking for and we're going to take it out to the market, speak to our clients and see what else we might be able to help with. So not just, sorry, Sally, you didn't get the job. What a shame. See you later. Have a good day. It's just a little bit more support beyond that, which I think is something that we could all kind of really work towards. But you sound like you're very in touch. And now this, this is no disrespect to the recruitment industry. However, a lot of consultants are young. They don't have that skill set. They don't know how to manage that process. And what happens is by the time these people get to my office, their, their mental health is not great. So 
do you think it comes back to training in those core communication skills? What do you think is the missing link there? Yeah, I think it's a few different things. I think it's definitely a lack of training right from the word go. Recruitment is one of those industries that you can come into with no qualifications. No barrier. So, yeah, so you, you don't yep. even have to have a university degree. I mean, you could have been working at Coles for a period of time and, you know, maybe you'd, you've just got good communication skills or you kind of exhibit behaviours or traits that would kind of make the organisations think that you might have potential within this area. So, you know, a lot of the bigger organisations are very good at the training side of things, but what they're very good in those programs at training is here's how to make a business development call, here's how to run an interview, here's how to run a client meeting. And the part that gets missed in all of that is here's how to coach someone, here's how to consult back to them, here's how to provide advice, and here's about to give, here's, here is what you can do to provide a little bit more than what you know, most other people would or what would normally happen in this industry. And then because you've got people who are quite young and inexperienced coming into the industry, you're lacking a little bit of emotional maturity as well, which is a harder thing to train. But the way you can get the best out of people in that sense is through the leaders. So if you've got good leaders in, in the organization, then they're going to be kind of promoting these other elements that wouldn't necessarily be in the recruitment world. So it's kind of an uphill battle and it really is a challenge listening to the experiences that other people have had with a lot of these agencies and, and sort of saying to them, hey, listen, we're not all like that because we do kind of get tarred with the same brush. But what I would say and what my advice would be is, is if you're going through a process with your where you're meeting with an agency and you're sitting down with the consultant take the time if you're not getting the questions that you think they could benefit from it might be worthwhile for you to ask questions in return hey listen what can I do to be a standout is there anything that you see in my CV that could be a little bit different what can I expect through the recruitment process will you come back to me and let me know what I can improve on because I think that would be really valuable and I think I could learn from that some people are moving out of careers that they've been in for five or ten years so they've, they've got no idea what it's like to interview anymore and they're super nervous and that's really daunting and that is a different business that can't be the recruitment agency yeah. because predominantly you're absolutely correct when you say the recruitment agency are there to get their client the best candidate so it is a different business that if people are looking for that type of coaching it may not be at the recruitment agency That's that right, they get yeah. it so yeah. um, I guess one of the other things that I um, get disturbed about because I do see a lot of broken people with workplace bullying, with um, overwork KPIs, just like you mentioned, that are, are like jumping across the moon that they simply can't reach. This has a major impact on their well-being. And one of the things that I really uh, get concerned about is that there's nothing kind of being done, I guess, what I'm trying to say is like a jigsaw puzzle and, and where I'm going with this is collaboration. Do you collaborate and give them other places to go or do you kind of only have the time to do your job? Tell, just I'm trying to open up that when I get these broken people, what more can I do yeah. uh, from your perspective? Yeah, I think um, that's actually a really good point. In answer to your question, I think that there have been times where I've been able to refer people onto other areas from time to time to maybe get a little bit of coaching or mentoring. And traditionally, they've kind of just been through avenues or relationships that I've kind of developed throughout my career. But it's definitely something we could do more of, I think. To your point earlier, recruitment agencies probably aren't 
you know, the most effective place for you to get advice and, and for you to come in and say, I actually don't know what I want because the risk is, is you might end up with someone who's reasonably new to their career and they know no different other than to go, well, what do you want? Just tell me, what have you done? Well, this is what you've done. So this is what you can probably do. So let's just look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there is really a lot of benefit in kind of seeking out some extra and alternative assistance and sitting down with, you know, people like yourselves and just kind of really nutting out all those elements that, you know, the other agencies might be missing. Mm-hmm. So, no, we, we don't do a whole lot of it, and I would definitely like to see a lot more of it. And yeah. it's something that um, that collaboration piece and all these elements is something that we're really trying to drive at the moment throughout our business is to take a bit of a step back. Um, and I'm sure that the guys in my office probably get sick of hearing me harp on about it because oh, it's, it's a very common theme. Um, but, look, I really do genuinely think there is a lot of value in it. And, you know, if at any point somebody's sort of sitting at work or they're getting to the point where they get up in the morning and they're dragging their feet to get out of bed and they're not excited at the thought to get into the office that that's a pretty clear sign that you're not motivated and maybe it's not something you're not passionate about and there are people here like yourselves that you can talk to about it and do you talk to your um clients your companies that you're recruiting for do you talk to them about their culture and how they can make a difference yeah. because there's education tenfold going oh, definitely. like it, it, it's educating everyone and bringing all those people together for the sake of lowering these mental yeah. health statistics which is where I come from we've just got to do something to lower this because it's a real concern so do you talk to you, do you coach your way with your clients as well? Yeah. So you seem is... to have a natural ability there towards <laughs> coaching. So this is a really interesting one because most of the time what you're taught in recruitment is the client is key. So you, you, you do what the client says, you'll find what the client wants and you know, you, you really don't consult back to them in terms of where you think they could improve because they're good and you really just coach the candidate if and when you feel like doing that. Um, so in answer to your question, I do, whether or not those conversations always pan out is one thing or another because some people don't take it that well. But it is a difficult conversation to say to a client, I have had to have it before, to say, hey, I know that you're probably out of touch with the market at the moment because you guys are so flat out with your your growth and, and what you're looking to do now and in the future. But in the recruitment world, we hear very quickly what the culture is like within an organisation and unfortunately, the, the common themes that I've heard about the culture internally there haven't been great. And here's some examples of that. And so for that reason, I'm really struggling to find someone that is motivated to be within an environment that you're offering at the moment. So I really encourage, you know, I know it's not nice feedback to give, no. but I, I, I feel like you might not know any different. And so I, you know, what you do with the information is your own choice but I really do think you'd benefit from sort of taking a bit of a step back and looking at it and maybe looking at some areas that you might change and really delving into it so um, the first time I had to deliver that uh, information it was not delivered in that way at all it was very clunky and it was a bit like oh nobody wants to work with you because you're not a place that anybody wants to work um, and there's, there's a way to deliver it but I think part of the thing that we're missing in the recruitment world as well as that consulting piece, not just on the candidate side, but the client side. So we've really got to have the courage to go back to them and say, hey, listen, I can't find anyone for your role because the common theme about the organisation is your leaders aren't really leading. They're just managing a process. They're not motivating people. They're demotivating people. And 
people aren't attracted to that environment. But I think we need more of it, to be honest with you. I don't think there's enough. No, and you're spot on, Jess. It's people like you and me that will speak out for candidates and speak to um, organisations about this. But we're courageous and, unfortunately, um, people don't have the skills to deliver in the way that you you did. So there's a whole pot, I guess, missing there of training. And I've had to have that conversation with a, a client myself that I was recruiting for, exactly their conversation where I couldn't put anyone else in there with my hand on my heart because I knew that they were, the culture was toxic. So it, it's like, this is where we have a growth mindset, I call it. I encourage all leaders to seek feedback from people like you because if they've got a growth mindset, they're going to embrace it. It's not a criticism. It's, hey, guys, your business could be so much better if X, Y, Z. Definitely, yeah. And I guess I get on my podium about this because it's so easily changed it's so we still do have a lot of workplaces out there with bullying um, cultures more than I even can imagine because I'm seeing only so many clients but I guess the voice of people like us that are in it need to be brave enough to stand up and speak but we can't be a lot of the time because that's our client. Yeah, yeah. So with a team under you, how do you coach them in dealing with this? Because you realise the domino effect. The more people we get trained in this skill set, the more it will be embraced and the better off people are going to be. No, absolutely. It is actually something that I tend to get on my podium about as well because I am very passionate about it and I do genuinely believe that these – or a good culture can be created from the top down. So I think if the leaders are leading in the right ways and um, through the right methods and they're, they're creating the good culture essentially. And it's a hard thing to train because, I mean, human, within Humanize we, we do have a lot of experienced people in the business, but the people that I brought into my team are probably a little bit less experienced than the others. And so they're very new to these to these areas themselves. So for me, I think the big part is one, leading by example and helping them to understand that, the human element here is is what's being missed in most most other areas, and our goal is to really try and bring up the bar in the market and try and help people realize that you know these other things are really important. And the only way that we're going to be able to do that is if we live and breathe it ourselves. And you know, here's what that might look like. But by the same token, um, giving them that back in my own management style as well. So not so much saying, well, here's here's what I think are the greatest ideas, and here's why I think you can do that. But you know, also um, saying to them, asking them for feedback. You, you tell me, how are you feeling about it? What do you think about this? You know, I'm not the kind of person to sit here and go, I, you know what, I have my T's crossed and my I's dotted and I'm a great leader because I'm learning every single day. And I think one of the things that, that you, Sally, and that you guys spoke about here that I found really valuable was talent stacking. And for me, talent stacking as a leader was, um, that was something that really resonated because you're always going through um, throughout this process and it's hard. It's a hard one because you're tasked with, you know, here's, here's 
what your targets are and here's how much you need to bill and here's how much the business needs to make and here's what we want in terms of, you know, X, Y, Z. But at the same time, you've really got to focus on the people as well because this other element over here by itself isn't going to make a successful organisation. So in amongst all these other elements that we have to hit as, you know, decision makers in the business, we can't, we can't miss out on the people because what happens there is you end up with just a bunch of unhappy people. So your core business is the recruitment. Um, our core business is helping people find careers and have a the right career and have a better life. But you just mentioned talent stacking, and that's something that I really encourage people. So what is talent stacking? Talent stacking is your qualification, your piece of paper, is not enough mm. anymore. So that is your technical skills. You work in finance, that's your accounting or your financial planning or that's technical. What people are missing is the new skill sets that are coming through that you and I have known have been there forever. Emotional intelligence is number one on the government list for what people will need in five years. But it's kind of just a word to some people, is, oh, that yeah. fluffy duffy. I've been writing um, for a company their internal emotional intelligence training and we kind of live and breathe it here. But when I was actually writing the training and got this down into it, there is so much information in there that that alone, people don't know their emotional cues. They're not thinking, oh, I went off, I went angry, because they don't know what they don't know. So like candidates that are looking for work and want to stand out, go and do a public speaking course, do an emotional intelligence, do a resilience course, talent stack and let that boss see that he can put you in multiple areas when times are down because you're creative, you've got people skills, you've got those other sorts of skills that when it's a bit low in the XYZ technical business, you can do other things. But the message is still not getting across despite reports, despite evidence. People are still hesitant and maybe that's a financial issue that they have to um, invest in that but there are many, many small courses and for anyone to keep talent stacking, I'd hate to think what I've spent on talent stacking, (laughs) it's a little bit too much to reveal. Is that the kind of messages that you could be giving your clients? Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really good point. Um, I think all these elements, and I'm, I'm a really true believer in that if you know yourself well as an individual, then you can do anything and you can do it well. You can handle any situation. You'll be able to do that in the right way most of the time because you'll understand the responses that you have to a certain situation and you can manage those before you act. And so I think, um, I think that by going through the, and these things don't come naturally because as human beings, we have your fight and your flight and everything like that. And our natural response is we see some situations as conflict. And, and one of the things that not a lot of people talk about in these situations is, it's not so much an act, but hesitation. So people don't usually talk about hesitation. Oh, this person said something. I should have said that. I should have done that and I didn't. Why didn't I do that? And then you get frustrated at yourself, right? But by going through these courses, you can learn a little bit more about yourself. You can understand what your common traits are. You can maybe understand a little bit more about your core values, which is something that I'm – 
really, really like to talk to the, the guys and girls in my team about is their core values. And it's one of the very first things that I sit down and I do with them in their first week. And um, I had a young guy join us in the last couple of weeks, actually. And uh, he's come from a, a banking background. I said to him, listen, this is this is the goal. I said, we've got 50 cards here. They all have different scenarios on them. I said, we've got to cut it down to five or seven. I said that there's certain things on these cards. And when you look at them and, and they've, they've uh, listed from you barely think about it to, to you think about it nearly all the time. Those seven that we end up with are your core values. And when you think about those, I want you to look at them and go, if somebody was to step on this, would I get absolutely furious about it? Would it rile me up? Would I get angry? Would I get very emotional? And he said, I'm not wired to think this way. And I said, that's part, that's part of why we're doing this to help you to understand where the, where the areas are that you are going to have your buttons pushed, not just here, but outside of work. And so that when they're pushed, you know how to manage it, but also so I can understand what they are so that if you get upset with me at some stage, it's because I've stepped on one of your core values. And he said, well, I've, you know, I've never thought about this stuff before. And it makes sense because if I think back to this thing that happened in my life, it's because this one was probably stepped on if I think about this. And so what happens is if you've got an understanding of what those things are, you can start to manage the responses that you have in situations. So I've got a, I've got a client who's become a bit of a mentor of mine. And she was talking to me about this experience that she'd gone through. Um, she was in a quite a senior role with her manager, who was the CEO of the business. And and this this person had come in and you know waving arms and screaming and yelling and swearing and you know all this saying all this horrendous stuff. And and she she was able to sort of sit there and just listen and not retaliate, which isn't an easy thing to do because our automatic usually we'll cry, we'll yell back, or we'll just retreat into she ourselves. She knew her yeah. emotional yeah. triggers. And- yeah, that's right. So she understood that yes, this person is upset. Why are they upset? They're probably upset because they themselves haven't got a good ability to manage their emotions. Um, and, and, you know, for that reason, I can understand that that's something that they're going through. So I'm going to let them say their piece and then I'm going to, respond. you know, respond in an appropriate way to the situation. But you, you don't have the ability to do those things if you don't have a good understanding of who you are. And that's why these other elements that you just don't get trained on in any way, shape or form through schooling, through employment or anywhere, they don't come naturally. It's something that you've got to learn. And a question I ask many of my clients and they sit there dumbfounded is who are you? Who are you? And they go, well, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm this. No, 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 no. Who are you? What makes up you? And the amazing transformation by going, gee, I don't know who Mm. I am. Because the first thing is know thyself. The first thing to success is know thyself and to any career processes. You don't know who you are and you don't go through this process of understanding yourself then how can you know where you're going to fit in a career and how do you know where you fit into life? Well, so it, yeah. there are so many exercises that and, and little mini training courses that can be done around, well, who am I? Yeah. yeah, what are my values? What do I get on my high horse about? What am I passionate about? What do I see on the news and I go, that's not right? All of that is making up who you are and those value cards are brilliantly because people will say to me oh honesty and integrity I say no 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 stop that's a given Mm, okay that's a given yeah no what do you really value because when you start to figure 
that out outside of honesty and integrity, then you start to know who you are. And it's only through those processes that you can actually go to work in a job where you do it for nothing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so that that's one of the big things I'm that we're on about. That's one of my big passions. One of my other big passions is what are we doing with our youngsters in the schools? Why aren't we training those um, young people in these types of skills that our government has spent millions of dollars producing a paper that says these are the skills, creativity, emotional intelligence, high-level communication skills, yet we're still not training them. So we've got a lot of work to do, haven't we? We've got so much work (laughs) to do, you're right. And I think... um I think that ties in well to one of the things that you, you've mentioned before about the domino effects. So I think that, you know, the kids aren't getting these in schools at the moment, but it is definitely something that we as parents can, can help them with. But if we're not on a stage where we understand that about ourselves yet, then there's no way that we can kind of guide them through it either. So it's about taking a step back and, and all of these areas, I mean, they don't just benefit you in your work life. They benefit you in your personal life. They'll benefit you in your relationships with your partner or your family or, you know, your children and, and that it, it will affect every area of your life in a really positive way it might upset you to learn some things about yourself because throughout this process you'll it might bring up some you know experiences that you had in the past to truly understand why you feel that way or why you respond a certain way in a certain situation but you will feel much more empowered within yourself once you've been through that process and you have a good understanding and then the world's your oyster because you 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 will almost get to a point where you feel fearless because you say well it doesn't really matter what happens because if and when that happens I'm well equipped within myself to handle that and that was a big word you just said one of the biggest things that keeps people in jobs that they loathe is fear Mm. what if I don't get another job what if I get there and get another job and I hate it what if I don't earn enough money to feed my kids what if what if what if so the process rules out the what if because let's face it we'll look at what's the worst thing can happen and 90% of what we worry about never happens but people don't understand these things because it's not taught in the schools and it's not like you don't go to uni and learn know thyself you go to uni and learn how to be an accountant or a lawyer or a doctor and that so it is um it is a missing link and I know there's some people working on very good programs but it is a missing link but let's just come back to um the mental health and well-being of society Mm. is not very good Mm. so a lot of that comes onto their careers. So if you had a person here today, you're a very successful businesswoman. You know yourself that you can do anything you want to because you have that growth mindset. Um, what advice would you give to one of my clients if they came in here and said, help, I hate my job, a client yesterday crying, help, I hate my job, I have to get out right now. I can't do this anymore. It's making me sick. Help me. What advice would you give them as a person more than as a recruitment person? Yeah. I'd just say strip it back. Let's look at the what is the first thing you think of when you get out of bed in the morning and what is it that gives you the feeling that you've got right now? Let's look at the is it somebody? Is it the environment? Is it something within the organization that's happening specifically? 
And chances are it's probably stepping on your core values and there's something that you're really not liking. So you've kind of already noticed that something's not right and you've made a decision that you want to do something about potentially leaving. But now let's talk about the steps on how you can manage that to get yourself there. But I really think it is about stripping it back and understanding yourself as a person first because getting to that point and going, I hate my job, it's affecting my life, I need to go ASAP is really just the start and it's a very good start but the only the only way you're going to get the best outcome is if you have a true understanding of what elements in there that you're not enjoying at the moment so you don't carry that over into your new job. Because the risk is if you're sitting, I hate I hate my job and I don't want to go, and, and but you've also got this other stuff bubbling away in the back of your head going, but I've got to look after the kids and I've got bills and I've got rent to pay. The decision that you make is going to be impacted more so about your financial responsibilities and your other responsibilities than rather looking at you know, how you can also be happy. And that is doable. It is doable to be within a work environment and be happy as well. And it's funny that you bring this up because a friend of mine recently has separated from his um, long-term partner. So he was with someone for, um, I think they were together for about 12 years. They had a baby quite young. They've got a, a number of children. And um, he sat down and he said, you know, I've been, I've been working my ass off for the last 15 years. He said, that's all I do. I get up, I go to work, I work my ass off at work, I come home, I spend some time with the kids before they go to bed, I barely get to see my partner, we're like passing ships in the night and now it's gotten to a stage where we realise we've actually just, we're kind of just good friends and that's it mm. and you know and, and now he's sort of moved out and he's in his own apartment and it's all very amicable for the kids and everything like that which is wonderful but you know we said to him, well, what do you actually want to do? And he said, nobody's ever asked me that before. And that's the thing. So he, people don't take the time to invest in themselves and really digest and have a think about that question. And it is very valuable. And that's the humanised part of the humanised group, isn't it? Yeah, is that yeah. We've got so much technology. We've got so much social media, so much um, stuff going on around us that – it's the conversations that it matter. Is, yeah. It's the talking that matters. And you can never take that out of society. No. But we need to get back to basics and do more of I it. Agree. I agree. So I'll give you an example of, um, um, and I guess I'm talking to the people out there that have jobs that they're not happy in and they feel like they can't talk to their boss. So I'll give you an example of my client. I hate my job. My job boss just rides and rides and rides me, criticizes me. Okay, client, have you talked to your boss about this? I can't do that. Every time I talk to him, he just yells at me. So we talked about assertive communication mm -hmm. and my client said, oh, no, that's terrible. Assertive communication is terrible. Her perceived belief of assertive communication was that it was an angry type of conversation. It was negative. Yeah. When I taught her that assertive communication, her whole life changed. She was able to have conversations without conflict. Mm. But people don't know what they don't know. They're just changing one thing like using I statements instead of you've done this, yeah. I feel or I believe can turn your whole day around. Oh, that's right. And there, it, it, it even, it, I mean, that's a, a very good example, right? There are things that sometimes we are so far gone in terms of being out of touch with things or having this perceived idea about things that we need someone to 
to bring it to our attention. And that's why there's so much value in, you know, seeking and, and seeking, you know, someone to chat to like yourselves or, you know, just seeking some alternative um, options, Re- read some books, listen to some podcasts. You know, that's what I do. I mean, I all the things that these people are struggling with, you and I struggle with every day as well. And we're not, nobody has all of the answers. And that's why there's so many other things out, out there to, to sort of help us with this stuff. And of course, your career is a lifelong journey. And it's now well known that lifelong learning is the way to go. Like lifelong learning, talent stacking, doing other things because the world is so rapidly changing, mm. keeping up with technology, keeping up with new methods that come out and green and growing or yeah. ripe and rotting. Yeah, And, that's and it. what do you want to be? And to the green and growing people, you're spot on. Mm. They can be anything they want to be with the right mentoring. Mm. So do you get mentored, Yes. Probably not actively, I'd say, but what I do is I do seek out, I think probably a bit more passively, I'm drawn to people that I would consider to be mentors. And they're usually people who are in that green and growing stage, or maybe they've kind of gotten to a point where, you know, they can have conversations in an assertive way without it being conflict or, you know, at the very least, they're not just passionate about themselves and and what's kind of driving them forward, even though that's an important part. But they're also really aware of the people that are around them and they're really conscious of what's important to those other people as well. So they're things that just resonate with me personally. But there are people that I will talk to about this kind of, I'm really struggling with something, you know, I do talk to my partner from time to time, but there's a couple of people that I've met throughout my career in recruitment and one lady in particular who I think we're probably the most unlikely pair to be honest Um, and I met with her originally as a client and and we just kind of and I sat down and I said to her I really like you I said I don't know what it is about you but I'm really drawn towards you and I could sit there and I could talk to her for 20 hours in a day and Mm. it's because you know it's not necessarily because she is saying anything hugely profound it's because she kind of sits there and just brings up things that kind of seem quite obvious but you don't think about. And that's why there's value in having someone that you can kind of turn to and, you know, maybe someone who can be the person who's outside of of the um, forest and, and, you know, you you can kind of say to them, hey, what would you do here or what do you think about this or, you know, am I missing the mark? But if you're going to do that, you need to be prepared for that person to tell you something you might not like to hear as well. And if you're not prepared for that, then don't go out seeking it because if you want to find someone who's going to tell you yes all the time, you're not doing the right thing by yourself and they're not doing the right thing by you either, maybe not actively, but they're not sitting there going, hey, I think you made the wrong choice Mm -hmm. or I think you could probably try this next time around and that stuff's really valuable as well. Curious. And I do remember when I had coaching on my coaching I had for years. She now lives in Melbourne, but I would walk out of her office and think, that bitch, what <laughs> right she got to tell me? How dare she? And I would not be where I am today without her challenging yeah. me. So once I got used to being told some home truths, yeah. then I grew from it. Well, that's right. And it's the getting used to it part, isn't it? Because when I was um, a teenager in my early 20s and somebody would even have the nerve to tell me what I'd chosen was wrong. And it started with my parents, and I'm sure it does for most people. Don't do this, and you shouldn't do this, and I'm my own person. You don't understand me. How would you know what I've been through and all this other stuff, which is so common. But um, it, it didn't happen overnight for me, and for a long time I pushed back on people. And I was like, no, how, how dare you? Yes. I am... 
I know the decision I've made is right for these people, but there's a level of ego in that that Uh you've got to overcome, I think. And that's the big part that most people aren't aware of or they don't know how to tackle it or they don't know what it looks like when they're kind of exhibiting those um, types of things. And humility isn't something you're born with. It's something that you've got to learn, I think. Mm. And kind of learn to be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. So an ego, they say it's not a dirty word, but sometimes it is in the workplace because I see um, the people that put themselves out there as very successful, and it's changing, very successful, yet treat people so badly. It's about learning what is ego, but it's about those people working. If you've got an ego person, then you need to learn the skills to be able to work with that because the fact is they're going to be there for a long time. So it's not necessarily about trying to change your boss. Mm -hmm. It's about changing yourself. That's right. Because you cannot change anyone else. And this is where people struggle in marriages, they struggle in jobs, they struggle in relationships because they think, I can change that person. Well, that's right. And I don't know where I've some, – somewhere in the reading or the podcast that I've listened to, I heard this phrase that says you can't change the people or the situation that you're in sometimes, but you can change your response to it. And that for me was huge. I, mm. I look at – I've saved it on my phone. I look at it every now and then because I'll need a reminder every now and then that you can't control your situation all of the time because quite often there's mitigating circumstances or just things that are outside of your control. But the way in which you react to that you – ha- and you do have a choice and the only way that you'll be able to – to get to a point where you can choose which way you react to it is if you get to know yourself better than what you do currently. And each reaction that you have to something has another reaction by default. So if you choose to take, yeah, yeah, if you choose to take a, you know, a really negative, angry, you know, um, you know, really aggressive reaction and that that is probably going to be reciprocated you're probably going to get that in return and you're only hurting yourself yeah that's yeah. right yeah that's right yeah so um that was something that i had to learn long ago that not to react but to respond mm. but that takes learning and this is where talent stacking comes in is you've got your qualification you've got your diploma you've got your degree you've got your apprenticeship done whatever it may be but there's much more to being successful in life than going, that's it, I'm done. Yeah, that's Let's me stop. done. you I've graduated. Yeah. There's much, much more to do that. And when people understand that they don't have to be loved by everybody, that they, as long as they respect it, because many, many of my clients, they're fighting for their boss to really, really like yeah, them. Yeah. As long as your boss respects you, you don't have to spend your life wanting to be liked, but respect is earned. And to get to be a place where you are respected, it requires more skills than just your Mm. degree or your diploma. So I guess that's where you shine through in and why you are successful because you've done this work and you're saying to me people can be anything they want to be. So I guess what are your final words to my clients that are feeling like... (laughs) 
just a little bit flat. Um, I think that if, if they're here and they're chatting to you, I think that's a great step. I think if they're not here and chatting to you or, or somebody who is, you know, has the similar surface offering to you guys, then that's something that I would really encourage them to do. Um, I would really start to think about, I, w- I would not kind of look at it as you were sort of saying, and I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I'm done. And then, okay, well now, you know, Sally and Jess are saying, go out and do some talent stacking and learn about emotional intelligence and, and a few other things. And okay, that's done. And now I'm done. I think it's, it's important to look at it as a continuum. We're never done. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right. And I, to some people that might sound like work, but once you take the first step and you start to realize the impact that has on your life and how positive it can be in all areas of your life, um, definitely in the job hunt side of things, but in all other areas, then for you it will seem like probably the most worthwhile investment you've ever made. And, you know, just it doesn't even have to be an investment sometimes. Finding someone that you look up to and you want to be like them yeah. and mirror their behavior or – finding a mentor that you just have a coffee with. It doesn't have to necessarily be a paid service. I think identifying what you want to be, you need to work with professionals. But once you've identified and you're trying to progress your career, many, many people out there can be your mentors. There can be a mentor at the kids' football. There can be a mentor at work. There can be a mentor at the gym. Like It's about surrounding yourselves around those positive people and you've got a really positive nature and I love it and that's why you're going places but it is about if you're around I call it it's emotional contagion if you're around negative people all day it actually impacts on others and you see the body language change but if you can seek out people like you for example and be around those sort of people then your emotions lift Oh, definitely. They can't yeah. help but. Yeah. yeah. And that all comes down to the culture and the vibe in any yeah. organisation and, and then, you know, everything that we sort of talked about up until this point all marries into that. Yeah. So, And I remember when I worked in the ANZ Bank in my first career, we used to play tricks all day, <laughs> every day and laugh and do our work and be productive. Yeah. And that sense of fun has it gone is, out yeah. of the workplace, it hasn't really, it? It really has, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, it has. Yeah. Um, and it's something that can be brought back in, yeah, think, can. in the right way. Yeah, it can. Yeah. can be brought back into the workplace and it's a really healthy thing to do it keeps no, you agree. young i agree well jess it's been lovely i could speak to you all day oh, but you, we better wrap it up or we might get smacked <laughs> <laughs> where can people find you just google humanize group um you can reach out to me on linkedin as well so jessica hando h-a-n-d-o feel free to pop me a message i'm more than happy to have a coffee even if you're looking for a little bit of advice or anything like that happy to have a chat Great. Thank you. Well, I'll be having many more coffees with you. (laughs) For everyone listening, thank you for tuning in today and have a great day. If you enjoyed this podcast and you would like us to appear in your feed, please hit the subscribe button and you're also welcome to leave us a review. For more information, visit careerdevelopmentcentre.com.au.